Everyone, congratulations. You made it here today. Whether you're watching this online or in person, you've decided to be here at Christ Community Church and connect with us, and we couldn't be more excited about that. Life is filled with mountains and valleys. We live through mountaintop experiences where life seems to be going our way, and we live through valleys where life can be filled with struggles. Regardless of what season you're in, we want you to know that you have a place right here at CCC. We are so glad that you could join us today. You can find hope through the good news of Jesus Christ. He came to bring hope to a world filled with hopelessness. And we can share that hope in community. Everyone has the opportunity to find community here at CCC. And a good starting point for that is by filling out our connection card. You can stop by our welcome desk in the lobby to fill one out. Or if you're joining us online, you can click connect on your screen. We'd love to talk with you and see how we can help get you connected. CCC is a church that is for the gospel. We are for communities and we are for you. We invite you to take this time to worship through giving. If you're watching online, you can do this by texting CCC Rochester to 77977 or by simply clicking the give link on your screen. If you're here with us in person, you can place your offering in the boxes at the back of the auditorium as you leave. Every dollar you give goes to some aspect of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. Whatever it goes towards, you can be assured that every investment supports the mission God has us on. Thank you for your continued support and for being someone who wants to see the gospel transformation in our world around us. It's such a blessing to be able to come before the Lord in prayer. If you have any prayer requests, please write them down on the back of the connection card and leave it at the welcome desk. And if you're watching online, click request prayer and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there. Hey, Andy, guess what's coming up in February? Valentine's Day? Uh, well, I guess so, but not what I'm talking about. It's winter camp time, <laughs> and we are bringing all our favorite parts of winter camp right here to Rochester for a totally unique experience. That's right. It's going to be a weekend packed with community and fun. Check out this video. Sign me up. Students, you can sign up now too. Head to our events page on our website to register and to find the answers to any questions you may have about the weekend. We have already been praying over this time and are looking forward to all that God has in store for us. Now here's Pastor Daryl with an important message about our annual meeting. Hey, Christ community. It's time for the annual meeting. Our constitution requires that notice for the annual meeting be given in the bulletin. 
During COVID, we have not had an official paper bulletin. So this announcement package has served as our bulletin. So this video announcement that I'm making to you right now is our official legal notice for the annual meeting. The annual meeting will take place on Sunday, January 31st at 11.45 in the sanctuary. I'm here at church. They'll be following the second service and we'll need a few minutes to get everybody out and get some things cleaned up. And then those who are here for the annual meeting will be able to come in and be seated. We're also going to be broadcasting the annual meeting on Zoom. Um, state law and our constitution will not allow voting to take place over Zoom, but we will be taking questions from those of you who are participating via Zoom. Um, for those who are in person, who are members, official members of our church, those are the only people that because of COVID are gonna be allowed to vote this year. I wanted you to know there's nothing um, controversial or, or major on the agenda. Um, we will once again, be approving a budget and um, affirming votes for elders and for secretary um, and for the church offices. So those names for the church offices that are up this year, um, for our elders, Nick Charbonneau and Jamie Getke are both new elders coming on the board for a three-year term. Adam Braze is finishing one three-year term and will be returning to the board for a second three-year term. Our nominating committee is Christy Perry and Melissa Oliver. And our secretary is Jared Andring. And we are really grateful for each one of these people's willingness to serve Jesus, and our church, and our community in this capacity. So our annual meeting, January 31st at 11.45, please be watching your email. For those of you who intend to come in person, we'll need you to sign up so that we can expect you and be ready for you and we can be seated socially distant. And for those of you who are going to attend online, we're gonna send the Zoom link to you via email as well. We are looking forward to celebrating together what God did in 2020 and hear and pray over what we believe he's calling us to in 2021. Now, as we prepare for worship, know that you are loved by God and are welcomed here. God has brought you here today for a purpose. Be of open mind and heart to hear what God wants to teach you today. And it's not just another weekend. It's another chance and another opportunity to join with us in the worship of our Creator. That starts right now. So before we go into this first song, I just wanted to share a verse with you all. And it's from Ephesians 2. And that verse says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you've been saved. And the reason I wanted to share that is because I know that this has been a very difficult season. And I know that for me, when life gets tough, it's hard for me to see past that and have joy or hope. But I read verses like Ephesians 2, and it's a great reminder to me that we absolutely have a reason to have joy. And that's because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who's steadfast and unchanging despite an ever-changing and chaotic world. And we also have a God who's made a way for us to be with him for all of eternity through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that is good news. And so as we worship, let that be the focus, God who he is, and 
what he's done for us and why that's reason to have joy. So please stand with us.
Holy Father, we come before you in awe. That not only will you meet us in this place, but you'll meet us wherever we are. And wherever we lift our voice in worship, whether it be in song, in prayer, God, that you receive us. And that even though we bring it to you broken and bruised and battered, God, you are the God of transformation and of healing. Your power is something we cannot understand, but we are so grateful for it. And God, you made that cross available to anybody. All we have to do is take it. And God, in return for that gift, we wanna be available to you so that you can take us and use us in our flawed and sinful way. And yet you make something brand new and holy and clean. God, we are in awe of you. And as we continue on in our worship, we want that to reflect and to be a sweet sound in your ear. In your precious name.
pray together. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Father, in this moment, what we just sang, you are, you are good. You are, you're trustworthy. We can turn over our, our hurts. We can turn over our sin. We can turn over our skill set, our futures. We can, we can turn all that over to you. You will be faithful to us in all of that. And so we honor you. We honor you for your goodness. We honor you for your love. We honor you for your watch care over us. And here we are in this moment. We, we do, we give, you, we give you our hearts, we give you our minds. We give you this time knowing that you're gonna give back to us more than we offer to you. Thank you for being that kind of God. Thank you for your grace, which you've lavished on us in Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. You guys can have a seat as you're being seated. Will you help me thank our worship team for leading us today?
Thanks, Marcus. That was, that was awesome. And uh, you guys who are here in person, um, you are like, you're the gathered Christ Community Church, and we've got our online church here with us. So will you guys just help us welcome them in as well, too? hope you guys who are online can hear that and uh, know that you're loved and that um, we miss you and we're excited for the day when we can all be back together again. Um, it is really good to be with you guys. If I have not met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, it is my privilege to be in worship with you today. So thanks for joining us. And this is our uh, third weekend of the new year. So like way to go. Um, you guys who are like your church part of your new year's resolution, you are, you are killing it right now. So I'm, I'm so excited for you because um, we know by the third week of the new year, a lot of us, have, we've fallen off on some things, right? So, um, but your spiritual resolutions are really important. I'm really proud of you for keeping those up. I'm, I'm really excited about this series that we're in for this new year. If you're just joining us or if you forgot since last week, because that happens too, um, we're in this series, we're calling it Pivot. And what we're doing at the beginning of this year is we're talking about some things that have, you know, as Christian people, people in part of church, these, these aren't new subjects, you've heard them before, but they're things that um, maybe they were on the periphery, um, in your peripheral vision, and pivot is just, for me, it's a basketball term, you just, we're just gonna turn and kind of square up to some things that maybe weren't, weren't facing before. And so today, I wanna talk with you about a subject, I wanna talk to you about empathy, about empathy. And um, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon, like a whole sermon on this subject before. So, so hopefully like we'll hear this whole one together. I'll make it through and you guys will stay with me on this. I want to start by giving you a definition of empathy because um, it, it's a newer term and maybe you haven't used it before or maybe you've used it in some context. The definition of empathy is feeling what another person feels even if your experience is different. So even if you haven't had the experience that somebody else has, you are willing to engage your heart with their heart and willingness to, as much as you're able, feel what somebody else feels, even if you haven't had the same experience with them. Now, this word empathy, we're gonna read it in one verse in a little bit in our time together today, but it, it is a, um, it's a, really a, a smaller section of some bigger Bible concepts. And so if you've spent any time in the Bible, you've heard some other words that, that empathy is part of. And so I've given you a short list here. Um, these words are, are compassion, sympathy, and mercy. And so these, these words kind of all go together. They, they could be synonymous, but I don't want them to be totally synonymous for our time together. Um, because empathy is about being willing to feel what somebody else feels. And sympathy is a little different. Um, sympathy is, is kind of like, man, I feel bad that you feel bad. You know, um, so if somebody loses a loved one, we send them a sympathy card, which is expressing sympathy for them. But, but that, you know, the tears that are in your eyes as you're writing that, writing the note on that sympathy card to them, that is, that is empathy, where you are feeling as much as you're able to feel the pain that they're feeling, even if you haven't lost that loved one. And so empathy is really being willing to enter into somebody else's suffering. Compassion is about ministering to somebody else who is in need. I mean, compassion is 
It is an emotional response that moves you towards somebody else's need. And again, empathy is part of all that, but we're gonna talk today particularly about, about these feelings of empathy. And so, so some of you who aren't feelers right now, you're probably thinking, oh my goodness, I'm, do we have to listen to all this? Yes, you, uh, you do. Um, you have to listen to this. And, and I'm, gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you why we're gonna talk about this. I'm, I'm not a feeler by nature. But these things that we're talking about as we start this series are, are things that are going to be necessary for God's people in 2021 if we're going to be able to receive what God wants to give us and do the kind of ministry that he has in front of us. Um, 2020 was a difficult year in many respects. It was a great year in, in many respects too. And so I don't wanna just like, hey, it was all horrible, but 2021 is gonna be a hard year. And there are going to be people and groups of people that you and I are around and have relationship with that are going to have a difficult 2021 and to be able to love them well, to show Jesus's love to them and to minister to them, we're gonna have to be, we're gonna have to be willing to walk into what they're feeling. And so I think this is a really important conversation for us as a church to to learn what it is and, and how we can improve in being people who have empathy for others. So I wanna start by showing you this verse from Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. Let's see if I can get there fast, as fast as the screen, almost. There we go, so Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. I love these verses, they talk about God. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. Now, what I, what I love about that picture of who God is is that, that he, he, has, he knows you and he knows me and he understands you and he understands me and he remembers that we are human beings. We're not divine beings, we're not God himself. When he looks at us, he has compassion on us because he knows that we were formed by him from the dust and there are some weaknesses that just accompany being human. And so these verses talk about as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now I know in saying that, not every one of us who's participating today would say, oh, my dad had compassion on me. I mean, that's, just, that's just the reality. Not all of us had a great dad. And so what, what you're maybe feeling in your heart when you hear that God is like a father, maybe those gaps that you're feeling, those gaps, could I just tell you, we all have them to some degree and God is the only one who measures up to what you're missing in your heart. And so, you know, for those of us who are dads, I'm a dad, I got four kids. I'm, I, I'm not always great at being compassionate to them. I'm not always patient with them, you know, when they're growing up or when they're young, they're inexperienced, they're encountering something for the first time that I've seen a hundred times. It's hard to remember, oh, this is their first time doing this or, hey, this one's not great at school, or this one's not great. Like, it's hard to remember sometimes, and so as, as human fathers, we fall short, and if you're feeling that from your earthly father, that there's a shortcoming there, you gotta know 
your heavenly father doesn't fall short in this. He has, he has complete and total compassion, love for you. He has, he understands and he enters into what you're feeling with you and that compassion that you wish your dad would have had for you, your heavenly father has that. And so as, as a father has compassion on his children, so our heavenly father has compassion on us and he remembers that we're, that we're dust and, and he moves towards us and gives us his grace. And, and I wanna point that out first of all because I want you to be thinking about how God is and, and how he's been towards you. But I also wanna remind us that we're children of God and that we have received from him and what we've received from him, he, did, he gives it to us, not just for us. He gives it to us to be shared with those who are around us. And so you and I have this tremendous opportunity to minister compassion, empathy to the people who are around us. We have this tremendous opportunity to grow in our ability to be empathetic with the people who are around us so that they see what God is like from his children, from his church, so they see what God is like and that they begin to understand and want to know him better. So, so you and I, again, we've received this amazing thing from the Lord, and so we're, we're grabbing onto it, and we're gonna grow in it, and the Bible is full of encouragement for Christian people to, to grow in and to practice empathy. Let me give you a few verses here. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. And finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another, be compassionate and humble. And there's those, all those words that get mixed up around in there that we're, we're supposed to engage with each other in a, in a heart-to-heart kind of relationship and a willingness to feel and be with each other as we move through. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it's just these real quick series of commands. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And just that that quick Christian command to be somebody who's willing to feel with the people that you are around. And does it say you have to engage, like you, we engage our hearts with them and we don't have to be experiencing exactly what they're experiencing and we don't have to approach it the same way they approach it. But if you're with somebody who's rejoicing, like we could, we could rejoice with them. And if you're with somebody who's mourning or struggling, we can, we can mourn and we can struggle with them. Now, so I read these verses and and I don't know anybody, I mean, I probably know a couple of people, I don't really, nobody comes to mind who just, you know, hears these kinds of statements and just says, nope, um, I'm gonna be a jerk about this, you know? I mean, I don't know anybody who, who would come across that way, but there are some barriers that, that maybe are common or more common, and I wanna just kinda, I wanna raise these for you to see maybe if, you think about this subject of empathy, if maybe any of these barriers resonate with you. And so there's a list here of, I think I have six of them. So the first barrier to empathy is that you live from your head more than you live from your heart. And so, you know, that describes probably half of us in the room. I mean, just when you kind of divide people up, um, some of us are more thinky and others of us are more feely and empathy is easier for feelers than it is for thinkers, but you know, just because you're a thinker, and again, I'm, I'm one, um, you don't get a pass on this to be, to be willing to enter in and feel with the people who are around you, to be a person who's empathetic. And so sometimes there's this, this we've got this deal going on in our head that we are, we've, we're, we're more with our heart, our head than our heart. Second one 
is um, that we're just unaware. And um, like you didn't know. Maybe you missed it from a, um, you missed it from, like you have the emotional, I have a son who says he has the emotional capacity of a teaspoon, or the emotional breadth of a teaspoon. Um, so maybe that's you. Maybe you, you're just unaware of your own emotions. Um, or maybe you're unaware of somebody else's emotions. And this, if you, if you live most of your life unaware of how you or the other people who are around you are feeling, this is, this is just a chance to kind of say, oh, hey, um, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what they're feeling. And maybe that's, that's something to get better at. The other one's at the top there of that list. is fear of feelings. Um, maybe you're aware of your feelings, but you are afraid of them. And you don't wanna engage and you don't wanna lean in. And maybe you're not afraid of your own feelings as much as you're afraid of somebody else's feelings and getting their feelings on you, you know, because like that could be messy. Sometimes you have those, that fear of feelings. Um, another barrier that we have is that sometimes we're selfish. It just sometimes we're selfish. It is, um, empathy is, it is emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, there's some drain to it. It's some work. And maybe you just don't want to engage in that. Maybe you're in a season in your life where it's all about you right now and uh, not so much about other people, and so selfishness can be a thing. Um, maybe you have a hardened heart, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be mean-spirited. Like, I don't mean that like you're just you're mean-spirited in empathy. Um, maybe you are, but, but I don't know very many people that way, and most of them aren't sitting in church, so I'm not gonna assume that mean-spirited is you. Um, but maybe, you're, maybe your heart is just kinda, it's a little bit crusty, and. It's not soft towards other people in the way that it could be. Um, judgmental, these last two, judgmental and pride. Um, the church, not, not Christ Community Church, this isn't an indictment on us, but just the, the church, the big C church. We, we have a bad rap on these last two, being judgmental of, of maybe somebody's got something going on in their life that's hard for them and and we're like, well, of course it's hard for you. Look at the decisions you've made. I mean, you know, and that's, that is a, that's just pronouncing judgment on somebody and, and not drawing close and being willing to feel what they feel. And then the pride is like, you just think you know. You think you know why they're there, what's going on in their lives. This is why you're experiencing it. Like, we just, we think we know. And I just, and again, I, this isn't, this isn't criticism of our church or criticism of any one of us, but just the culture believes that the church is judgmental and prideful. And, and we get the opportunity to undo that perception by it being willing to engage on a heart level to be, to be empathetic with the people who are around us. And so, so those are some barriers to empathy and you know, maybe some of those resonate with you. And, and why empathy maybe isn't something that, you're, that you have been in the past willing to lean into very much. And, and so I, I want to raise those for you and let you and the Spirit of God sort that out and see if there's anything in there that needs to be dealt with in that. So I want to show you what one of the clearest negative examples on this subject um, from the Bible. If you've been around church, you've probably heard the story of a guy named Job. So Job, there's a, there's a whole book of the Bible devoted to his story, and it, it helps us understand the problem of pain and suffering in the life of somebody who does their best to honor God. 
So Job is, he has a wife and he's got kids and he's a wealthy man, he's got a lot of stuff and life is rocking along for him like you'd expect life to go for somebody who is honoring God with the way that they live. And just in this one fell swoop, um, his kids are all killed by invading armies and his stuff is all taken by those same armies and he is stricken with grave illness. So he goes from blessed and favored looking to literally sitting in the dirt sick as he could be. And so he's got some friends who hear about him. And this is, this is recorded in Job chapter two, verses 11 through 13. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. There'll be a quiz on those guys' names after this. When they heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes. They sprinkled dust on their heads. And they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So far, this sounds like this is what friends ought to do, right? I mean, that's, what, that's where this sounds to this point. And then after they get there, Job speaks to them about his pain and summarized the whole chapter in a sentence. He said, this hurts so bad, I wish I'd never been born. So he said, this, this hurts so bad, I wish I had never been born. And so Eliphaz, his buddy Eliphaz, responds first. And listen to what Eliphaz says. This is a summary of his whole speech. As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Hey, Job, all this stuff that's going on in your life right now, hey, somewhere you did something to cause this. Isn't that nice? I mean, his, his kids are gone. His, forget the stuff. I mean, he's suffering the loss of his kids and he's deathly ill and he's sitting in the dirt and, and the answer to his pain is, hey, you, you, you deserve this. I mean, you did something to deserve this. His, his next buddy, um, Bildad, speaking specifically about his kids, he said, when your children sinned against God, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. You're, I mean, you talk about judgmental, right? The, your kids deserved it. So what, what came upon them was like, that's what God was given to them. And then Zophar, these are words of comfort. Um, know this, God has even forgotten some of your sin. And, and we kind of look at that and you say, well, that's true. And it is, but you know, what Zophar was saying was, hey, you're paying it could be worse. It could be way worse. If God was fully giving you what you deserve, it could be way worse for you. I mean, what you're getting today is God has actually forgotten some of the stuff that you've done. He's been willing to forget some of that. He's not even making you pay for that stuff. You're paying for like, great friends, huh? I mean, 
great friends to show up and sit seven days is off to a good start. This, this is a tremendous lack of empathy. It's an, it's an unwillingness to enter into and feel with Job what he's feeling. They want to speak. There's, there's judgmentalism and there's pride in these words that these guys are speaking to. He thought they were his friends. They've really come to just heap on and pile on him now that he's hurting. And so this, I want us to see that and, and just for us to highlight that that dinged their friendship in a big way. And God puts it all back together into the book. It all turns out because the Lord steps in and speaks to some things. But it dinged their friendship. And if you are not empathetic, it's gonna hurt your relationships. It really will. It, everything I read in prep for our time together today emphasized the, the damage you do in relationships when you are not empathetic. And I was reading one guy, he's a counselor, and he was talking about the number of wives in particular who have sat in his counseling office and said, my husband won't engage emotionally with me. And the number of kids he's heard say, I can't trust my parents, they're not a safe place for me to go because they were unwilling, unwilling to enter into the pain that their kids were experiencing. And there is, there's just, there's a price tag for people who are not empathetic. And I'm gonna say yes to the personal price tag and there's also a price tag corporately, culturally for the name of Jesus when Christian people aren't empathetic. And so again, you and I have this great opportunity as, as people who wanna make a difference in the lives of those who are around us, we have this great opportunity to be people who are willing to feel what they are feeling without the words and the attitudes of Job's friends, to be able to feel what people are feeling and just to sit with them and feel that stuff and be willing to engage with what they've got going on emotionally. And so we have these great opportunities to, to be people who minister to others. And I have a friend, he said, he, I love this quote, he said this, he said, ministry flows along the lines of compassion. So if there's, if there's no feeling of compassion in your heart, if there's no empathy, if there's no willing to enter into, there's just not an opportunity for ministry there. Ministry flows along the lines of compassion. We see that over and over again in Jesus's life. And I was thinking about this this week as I was prepping for our time together. A couple of organizations here in our community that are doing this really well. Um, I was thinking about First Care, which is a pregnancy response and pregnancy resource center here in our town. Um, we're engaged with them as a church, and uh, many of you support them. We support them as a church, volunteers from our church and many other churches there. Um, that's, they, they do empathy really well. Um, they are, they're an organization that is, like they are a life-affirming group of people. And their, their goal is to come alongside uh, pregnant women or couples who are considering abortion and to help them to make a life-affirming choice. And they, and they do that by, by speaking into the fears, the difficulties, the barriers, all the things, and coming alongside, entering into that pain with them and processing through that stuff with them, praying for them, and, and shepherding and helping them come to the decision that they really wanted to make. Marie and I have been involved with Pregnancy Resource Centers in ministry for, for a long time now. One of the things that, that I did not know this until we got involved, I mean, we, I've never met anybody who just wants to have an abortion. There's, there's something going on there. 
There's, there's fear there. there and, and fear can be from a number of things. There is pressure from somebody else going on. There's, there's a number of factors that stir the heart of people who will sit and listen, not stand back and preach. And when you hear what's happening, you get the opportunity to, to feel with and to come alongside and ministry flows from that and to, and to meet people where they are and help them be able to make the decision really that they wanted to make in the first place. And so we're, I'm really thankful that we as a church get to be part of First Care. And then the other organization um, is, it's a ministry here. You may not know it. They're relatively new in Rochester. It's called Arrive Ministries. And I had lunch with um, Adam Cheney, who leads that this week, and we're getting to know each other a little bit. They, they minister to people who come to Rochester as refugees. So just talking with him about that ministry and what that's like, and um, I was trying to imagine this. Can you imagine having to flee your country because it is dangerous to live there? And then you come all the way here, and you... You end up here either as a single person and many of the people who, are, who come by themselves have family back from wherever they came from or you get here with your whole family and all of a sudden you're in this place where you don't speak the language, you don't know how the culture works, you don't know how to figure out, like you can't figure out the grocery store, you, nothing. And I just, as he was describing for me the condition of of people who show up here, the difficulty that they have. I mean that, and what he does is he connects Christian people who, who can feel that a little bit and that they want to, they want to minister to those families who are, who are trying to figure all that out, who will just be here and be like, let me help you figure out how to do basic things here, like get back and forth from work, learn to drive a car, um, here's how to here's how to cook on our kinds of stoves, and you know just the stuff that goes along with everyday life. And I'm just really thankful for Arrive and that they're here and that they're willing to meet these people that the Bible actually refers to as, as sojourners or strangers. And the call on Christian people is to to love those people and to care for them and make sure justice is done for them. And so we have this we have this relationship with this great organization called Arrive. In the Bible. My favorite, probably my favorite, um, my favorite illustration of empathy is in the Gospel of John, chapter eight. It's where Jesus meets the woman who was caught in adultery. I don't know if you know the story. So, if you look at that in your Bible, there's always a little footnote there that says that this section is not in the most ancient manuscripts. So, what that means is they're not really sure if this was something that actually happened in the life of Jesus or if it's something somebody wrote in a little later. So our response to that is we don't build any key doctrines or, you know, off of this little section of scripture. But one of my, one of my profs in seminary, he was talking about that with us and he said, you know, I don't really know if, if Jesus did this, but this is totally something Jesus would do. And I just, I love that little description. So what happened, if you don't know the story, what happened is, um, in that culture, this adultery carried the death penalty. So the, the religious rulers caught this lady, they say, in the very act of adultery, and they grab her, and they drag her to Jesus, and it's kind of a test for Jesus, but they're 
they're fired up and ready to stone her. And, and this is the story where Jesus just, he lets it all settle down and he writes in the dust for a minute and he just, and he says, hey, whoever's without sin gets to cast the first stone. And that is, man, that's a great statement in that moment. Whoever's without sin, you get to cast the first stone. And they all, one by one, starting with the oldest, <laughs> they all they all leave. And I love that about Jesus because there's a tremendous amount of empathy there. Odds are really good. And I mean, Jesus doesn't, know, Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be a woman in that culture. He was a man in that culture. And he, he was not guilty of that sin, which was also a crime in that culture. He wasn't guilty of that. There were a lot of things that he, had, he did not have a shared experience. But odds are really good that, that what she was doing was it was an act of desperation. And, and she is in this desperate situation. It's not brazen what disregard for who God is and for what he said. It's an act of desperation, the circumstances that are in her life. And Jesus, he just showers that whole thing. He takes, he takes, on, he takes on the hypocrites, takes them head on, and then he ministers grace and peace to her. And you know, after they all leave, he said, is there anybody here to condemn you? And she said, nope. He said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful release of somebody who was caught because he's willing to feel with her and be with her in the mess of her life. And what Jesus has done, what he did for her in that moment, he has done and he's willing to do for you and for me in every moment. So here's the main verse I wanna land at today. So it's taken me a long time to get to this. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, these verses are talking about Jesus. And it's talking about him being our priest, our high priest. He goes, he represents us to God and represents God to us. And Listen to these words, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. All right, so let me stop right there. So remember what I read in Psalms about, about as a father has compassion on his children, so God has compassion on us, and he remembers that we're but dust. Jesus became dust. He, he entered into our reality. And so he knows, he knows what it's like to be human. And so we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize because he's, he's been distant. We have a high priest who represents us before God who who represents God to us, we have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses because he's been tempted in every way just as you and I are tempted, but he did not sin. So he entered into our reality, drew close to us, understands what our life is like, and lived the life that we can't live, but he gets it. And, and it was empathy that 
his love for us and compassion for us and his, uh, he, he was willing to move into, he's willing to move into our kind of life and then because, he's, because he empathizes with us. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So if there's no empathy, if there's no empathy, I think verse 16 reads differently. If there's no empathy, I think verse 16 says something like, let us then approach God's throne with, with fear and trembling. Um, let, us, let us show up and hope that, that somehow we can make our case before him so that so that he will be, he'll be gentle with us. But because there's empathy, because we have a high priest who empathizes with our weaknesses, yet did not sin, he's qualified to be our high priest, he's qualified to be in the very presence of God, because we have a high priest who empathizes with us, let us approach God's throne of grace, not God's throne of judgment, but God's throne of grace with confidence. So he's safe. Because there's empathy, God is safe for us. So we can approach him with confidence, knowing that he's willing to move towards us and become one of us and speak into and minister to us in our weakness. He remembers that we're but dust, and so he's willing to move into our reality and become one of us. And so because he came to us and stepped into our circumstances, because he empathizes with us, then we can draw near to him. He's safe so we can approach him with confidence and we can find mercy and grace instead of condemnation or instead of chastisement, or instead of punishment, or instead of the words of Job's friends, like, well, hey, you know, if you sow, if you sow evil and you, and you till up trouble, this is what you're gonna get. Like, instead of that, we get, to find, we get mercy and we get grace to help in our time of need. And I'm so grateful that, that God is safe for us and that he is merciful towards us, and that he is gracious towards us, and that he is a God who helps. He doesn't, he doesn't look at us and say, hey, come back when you've got your act together. Or hey, you, yeah, you really messed that deal up, didn't you? Good luck figuring it out. That's a super deep hole you dug for yourself there. I hope you can figure out how to climb out of there. No, he, he helps us. And again, as people who have received, who've received the safety, the, the mercy, the grace, and the help because Jesus drew near to us, because he empathizes with our weaknesses, we ought to be those kind of people. We have this tremendous opportunity to be those kind of people, to be, to be the place where people whose life isn't working, 
Right? We say that like we got our lives together. Um, <laughs> mine isn't. So if yours, if yours is, maybe you're up next weekend. Um, no, but to be the kind of place and the kind of people who, who are willing to, to empathize, to draw near so that people feel safe. They feel safe with, with each one of us as an individual, but also with us as a church and as, as Christian people as this goes on in our community. Like, the church loses that rap for being judgmental and prideful because, uh, because of empathy. I think empathy is the path out of that. So let me, um, let me wrap up here by giving you just some, a few practical things and then some resources because this subject is way bigger than what we can talk about here in this little bit. So becoming more empathetic. Um, empathy is about emotions and emotions are messy. Learn to be okay with the mess. You guys, yeah, you guys, you like, you guys like all, it all in a neat little box, gentlemen. Um, emotions are messy and you gotta get okay, you just have to be okay with the mess. Um, and, and again, I'm not a try harder guy. This is a, Lord help me be okay with the mess. The Lord's okay with the mess. He, he fathers people through it. He leads people through the mess, but he meets people in the mess. And so he's, he's good with it. So let's, let's us, like, let him help us be good with that mess. Here's the second thing. It's hard to be empathetic and keep your distance. So if you're gonna be empathetic, you gotta get close. And that means you're gonna be close to people who maybe aren't like you, whose lives are broken in ways that are different from the way your life is broken. Uh, there's, this, there's a lot behind this little statement that it's hard to be empathetic and keep your distance. But as you draw near, empathy, empathy grows. And, and this third thing I'm gonna put on the screen here for you is seek to understand. That requires drawing near. But listen, Look at this list of things, and this isn't me. This is from um, Thomas Nelson Bibles. They give four Bible passages that leave no doubt of the importance of empathy, and this is straight from them. Seek to understand like, who other people are and how they became that person. We, had, we, had, we are having all kinds of stuff going on in our culture where different groups of people are looking and shouting at each other. And we could be the people who walk to a group who's maybe not like us and say, hey, could we talk? And could you help me understand who you are and why this is your perspective, what you know, how they learned it, what they hold dear, why they hold it dear, how they feel, why they feel that way. And, and they may not be able to articulate all that why, but if you engage in a relationship, you draw near, you're gonna get a better picture of that. And, and so be a person who seeks to understand other people. And as you get to know other people, as you draw near, you become somebody that is worthy of their confidence and you have opportunities to minister grace and mercy and be of help. And here's the really cool thing. As you draw near, they can become that for you too. Mutually beneficial relationships flow from empathy. So I wanna pray for you guys, and then I've got some questions for you. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes with me. So Lord, this is a big subject. 
it requires a lot of us, but it doesn't have to be from us, it's from you. And so I pray for myself, I pray for my friends who are here in this room, that what we've talked about today, you'd give us opportunities to enter into and feel what other people are feeling. Um, even if, if we don't understand their experiences, if we don't like their experiences, if we don't, if we don't like the way their feelings get represented, Help us be people who are like you in this regard. Put it in us, please, and then draw it out from us um, when those moments are right. Jesus, thank you for being empathetic towards us. We really appreciate you. So I pray these things in your name, amen. All right, so real quick, I'm gonna give you these questions. If you're new with us, uh, we do these every week, at least during this COVID season. We'll see how long all this these questions keep going, but while we're so spread out right now as a church and all the services and then the online campus as well, these just give us some things to be talking about together, help keep us together. So the first one is, have you experienced somebody being empathetic to you and what was that like? And that, um, I hope you've had that experience. When you look at our culture, which of the barriers to empathy seem most prevalent? That list that I gave you, or if you have some others that you wanted to add to that list as I talked which of those seem the most, pre most prevalent? Third, what are some ways that empathy can build bridges for the gospel? And I think that's a, like I answered that question. Here's a, here's a question for you. Do you see any downsides to being empathetic? And then um, fourth is your tendency to first seek understanding or to first seek to be understood. And you know, how do you approach relationships and hurting people and all that kind of stuff? And then the last is just for some further consideration. So if you need to take a picture of that screen or whatever, feel free to do that. I think those, um, those will help you. And uh, I've really enjoyed and appreciated you guys. We've listened today. And those of you here, here in person, thank you guys that are online for being with us. I mean, it's been a great day to be in worship. Again, really good to be with you guys today. May God bless you guys. Have a great week. I love you and I will see you next weekend.